This is Fresh Shed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas and educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Today, Yanan Yu joins me to talk about her Fresh Shed Flux episode, which aired last week. Spoiler alert, we talk about her episode in depth in today's show. So if you haven't already listened to her episode, I recommend you do so right now. Really, hit pause, go back and listen to her Flux episode, and then come back here to go behind the scenes. In our conversation today, Yanan details what it's like to live in a vision-centric world and the difficulty of making a podcast. She talks about moving to the United Kingdom from China and inclusive education. This world is designed for sighted people like all kinds of material, uh, softwares, even our basic facilities in the city are all designed for sighted people. You can notice all kinds of signs, colorful, like logos around you anywhere, but those are useless for us. So this are very obvious things for us to understand a vision-centric world. Yanan Yu completed her master's degree at the University of Bristol and recently finished an internship at the BBC. She is currently looking to enroll in a PhD program where she can further her studies on inclusive education. Yanan Yu, welcome to Fresh Ed. Hello, well, hello everyone. So Yanan, congratulations on your Flux episode. It's just so incredible. Thank you so much. It's funny to do this because we've been working together for basically a year now. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk about a few things. And I guess to start, I'm curious as to why you applied to the Flux Fellowship about a year ago. That time is because of my personal interest. I had a drawing of to let others to listen to me, listen to my sound and my thoughts. And I have never tried before to like produce a podcast or even do any any similar things, but I want to try. It's very new and uh, attractive to me, so that's why I applied. And I think I want to learn some audio production skills. That's another thing that attract me. At the time when you applied, were you, you were a master's student? Is that correct? Uh, yes, I just finished my dissertation. At what university? The University of Bristol. Well, it was just so wonderful to have you apply. And now that you've sort of gone through the entire process, what was the experience like? It was amazing. I think you and Joe and Brad, three of you are very supportive and all your words and behaviors during my application are very encouraging. And that's why I keep doing and keep working on my production and it was very hard for me to editing like my episode as a visual impact person so all this experience is fantastic was it a lot of work i don't think it's a lot of work for sighted people but i think it's a little bit more for me it's been such a pleasure to work with you over the year and i'm sure joe and brett would feel the same way we've learned a lot from you we've had a really good time putting together your episode and I hope listeners will find it enjoyable and valuable, your Flux episode. In your episode, you have this line, this quote that I'm going to read out. And I'd like to just sort of talk a little bit about it. And the line is this, quote, but it's not the blindness that makes their lives harder. It's the assumptions that are made about them being visually impaired that limits their lives, especially in a vision-centric world where vision and cognition are intertwined, end quote. Can you 
tell me a little bit about how vision and cognition are intertwined in our world? I think it's a very hard to explain question, but I want to try to share you some thoughts. Just in this word, people, we can say average people, sighted people, they think if you can see that your life will be very easy and you can do all kinds of things. But if you lose your sight, there will be a horrible nightmare. And it's like losing sight, you will <laughs> lose intelligence, abilities, even the control to your life as well. So that's what general people will think about visual impaired persons. And you also call the world vision-centric, you know, as if the world is created for those with sight. So explain that to me. I think it's more about people will focus less about people with different, like, physical advantages. And just this word is designed for sighted people, like, all kinds of materials. Uh, softwares, even our basic facilities in the city are all designed for sighted people. You can notice all kinds of signs, colorful, like logos around you, anywhere. But those are useless for us. So these are very obvious things for us to understand a vision-centric world. You know, in this vision-centric world, do people treat you sort of differently? I think so. Only few people can understand me and treat me equally. Most people, they will think, uh, if you are visual impaired, that means you receive limited education. You lack capabilities to work, uh, to compete with people without any uh, visible disability. And you are like lack of intelligence. And it's impossible for you to achieve something like your peers or your generation. So I think that's the general thoughts applies to us. When you were a Flux Fellow, one of the things that we sort of realized is how vision-centric audio editing is. Can you explain how it's so, you know, vision-centric? Of course. I think we tried some different production software, but the only usable one for me is the Reaper. Maybe some production apps on iOS system may be useful, but I'm currently on Windows. So they all using the visual editing platform. You can use your mouse to Try this, to click that, to easily do the editing and cut out a long like documents or something. And you can see the sound waves and you know where it's a little bit lower and looks not good. <laughs> so you can easily to achieve your aims by using mouse. But for us, we are not able to use mouse. So the only way for us to control the editing processes by keyboard and using some hotkeys. So I feel very difficult as a beginner to uh, memorize. It's like whole list of hotkeys and to use them and to put it's around uh, 40 or 50 different materials together. So that's 
difficulty for us. For listeners who have never edited audio, what happens is you you have these audio files and they're just a bunch of waves, like lines on a screen, and then you can sort of move a cursor around and sort of edit out sort of segments and you know you can see the loudness of the audio track or the softness. You can see when there's silence, but it's so visual. The whole thing it's a bit strange because it's an audio podcast, but actually the behind the scenes is this really visual medium. Yes, of course, and for us it will take longer to edit as like an episode. You can use your eyes to see where I need to put together where there's a gap. The gap means is silence, and for us just listen from the beginning to the end or from which point to next point. I need to type down from where to start and to where and where and listen again and again. It will take a lot of time. How much time did it take you to edit your episode? Like, tell me how you overcame this challenge of of working on a platform, an audio editing platform that was designed for sighted people. I have never count for the overall time I spent on product producing my episode. I think it's over one hundred hours, maybe more. So the first thing for me is to self learning how to use it. I don't want to join any course or to buy some course because I have my time is limited. I need to work full time during my editing. So I just read through the instruction. Read through is like a, their a booklet. Then memorizing all hotkeys, not all, but all useful hotkeys for me. Then try to editing some sample files. Then from those basic steps to move on. You know, you produced something that sounded fantastic in the end. I mean, all that hard work, all that memorizing, but you were able to sort of overcome that huge sort of barrier that was created by the audio editing platform, and it it made me realize that there needs to be an audio editing platform designed for people with blindness rather than people with you know sight. Did something, I think, as I know, Reaper. They did something for tailoring screen reader, make maybe. Maybe accessibility requirements, but I think it's not enough. Only Reaper takes some actions. I hope that in the future, all software, all platform, they need to consider about people with different needs. Yeah, I hope so. So you know, your story that you tell in in Flux is just so beautiful in a way, and you talk all about your own abilities despite being blind. And sort of play on some of the assumptions that people might have about what it means to be able or not able. And I just wondered, Yanan, if you could, you know, sort of tell your own story of how and when you lost your sight. I lost my sight since I was born. The illness I I had with my eyes is retinitis. Pigmentosa, and we usually called it RP. So it will gradually affect our sight. But unfortunately, it happened to me when I was born. I nearly have no sight. I was belonged to blindness classification of blindness since I was born. So nearly just I got it when I the first moment I came to this world, and until now. You know the other thing in your episode is the piano is sort of like a major character in the episode. And did you play all of that music? Yes, I played all music used in my episode. If you hear any sounds caused by piano, 
So that's me. And when did you learn how to play the piano? Because you you're an amazing pianist. Thank you so much. I started to play the piano when I was around, I think, seven or eight years old, and I keep learning, keep learning until now. And why did you learn to play the piano? Because my mother, I personally encountered many. I don't want to say many. Maybe some discrimination and bullying from my play. Mates,、uh, when I was、uh, around seven, five, six years old, and that time I felt a little bit lonely. So my parents, one reason is they think it would be better to learn something, to maybe study an instrument, to help me find friends who can accompany me throughout my life. And another reason is my mother thought maybe for a girl, learning some instruments will be helpful for future in the marriage market. And does anyone else in your family play the piano? No, no, just me. So my parents spend a lot, a lot, a lot of energy, money, <laughs> time, encourage me learning piano and move on from like a beginner to the maybe professional. Way, I think. Yeah, I mean, so what level are you? And from my understanding, there's different levels of skills for pianists. I don't know how to explain because I just did my bachelor in music performance, specializing in piano. So that would be the beginning of a professional career. I I don't know, but I stopped to specializing in piano after my bachelor, but I still keep practicing. But I、uh, didn't move on or go further. You once told us that you had this opportunity to play with quite a famous pianist named Lang Lang. So how did you come about playing music and the piano with Lang Lang? Yeah, Lang Lang is a Chinese pianist. I think it was more like a, a coincidence. I joined a competition、uh, recommended by my piano tutor in my senior high school, and the winners—not only one winner—the winners maybe around fifty can have the chance to appreciating Lang Lang's concert and play together with him. So over three thousand professional and amateurs, piano amateurs, participated in the competition and. And I was lucky. I got a chance to play together with Lan Lan, and it was amazing. And I think it's a memorable moment to play together with a, such a professional in music. I mean, it's quite amazing. Your parents must have been so proud to encourage you to start playing the piano, you know, at a quite a young age. And then here you are, years later, you're playing with a, you know, one of the most world-renowned pianists. In the story, you also talk very fondly of your grandparents, and I think there was even some music of you playing at your grandparents' home. Of course, the Debussy one, Ballet, used in the first part of my episode. So the first and the second part of my episode was played in my grandfather,、uh, grandparents, my grandma's bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Your grandmother's bedroom, right? And so, tell me about your relationship with your grandparents, and and you know what they taught you. Since I was born, my parents and me stayed and lived together with my grandparents. So my parents was very busy with their own work. 
when I was around maybe um, two or three years old. So I stayed together with my parents all the time. And when I started to learn a piano, my first piano just put in my grandma's bedroom. So I think they <laughs> appreciated my playing all the time until my 20s. Did your grandparents and your parents, you know, how did they instill this sort of love of education because you know it's in the episode you sort of get this sense that you know you're on this journey and you know physically but also sort of you know in your own life of being educated and learning and learning the piano of course is one thing but also doing all these degrees and and, and ending up all the way in the united kingdom doing a master's degree how did your parents and your grandparents sort of instill this love of, of learning and of education in you? I think it's more about my grandfather. He did his bachelor, I think. Maybe that time is bachelor. <laughs> Maybe they called it differently in a very famous university in China. And he is the first few bachelor's undergraduate students in New People's Republic of China. So he encouraged my parents and me to study and to learn as much as I can and to try different things. He thought it's possible to eat and wear less valuable things, less, uh, maybe cheaper, I would say, cheaper things. But he never feel difficult or feel painful to spend money on education. So since my primary school, they really provided me the best quality of education. And I think I shared with my grandfather before I determined to study abroad. He, that time, he was in, it's like a nursing home because he was too old to stay alone or stay together in our flat. And he still encouraged me to go on and to try whatever I want. Wow, that, he sounds like a very special man. I mean, how did you end up deciding to study abroad? Because, you know, you said earlier that you were studying music and then you decided to do a master's degree in something different. So tell me about that journey. After my bachelor, I started to work in national organization. And that time, my parents thought, it's very it's very decent and I think they will say stable life working there and stay in the capital of our country. But I felt unhappy to go on and to keep that job. And that's not quite similar to my goal and my dream of my career path. So I decided to study abroad and I got a very, I think it's a like valuable offer from my dream university. So I think study abroad is more meaningful than keep working there. And so where did you do your first study abroad? I did my master in University of Bristol in disability studies. So I think that's what I really want. And it's better than a stable work. And so tell me, what was it like for you to go to Bristol after spending your whole life in, you know, growing up uh, in China near your family and then going away to learn music at university? And then all of a sudden, you're on a plane 
going to Bristol to study something completely different. That must have been very exciting and stressful and scary. I think it's stressful and scary. Yeah. And I went to Bristol alone in 2020. And at the beginning, I thought it's very funny thing to study abroad and to live alone. I can do anything I want and I can eat anything I want. Nobody will say no to me because my mother is very, very cautious about my eating habits and my uh, weight. So in Bristol, nobody knows what I want to eat. Nobody knows what I want to do. Even I can wake up until 2, 5 a.m. and listen to music, play music. And But when I did my first unit, it's like uh, research des philosophy and research design. Oh my god, it's a nightmare. I cannot understand uh, what the professor was talking about. And all like philosopher, they mentioned about, I just heard them then in my past studies. And I really don't know why we now talk about him. Uh, and after him, we why change to another person? Is there any relationship between them? And I, I will make a guess because I'm not able to fully understand my professor. So I should make guess. Maybe he is his father. So talk about him first, then talk about his son. So here you are, you're in a new country, living alone for the first time, able to eat whatever you want, stay up as late as you want, but you're also learning a new subject. Yeah, new subject, new, even I want to say it's a new field for me. Yeah, at the beginning, I know, I don't want to say no nothing, it's very embarrassed, but I know little about it. I just apply for this major because of my personal interest. I have a a really good topic I want to explore but about the training and a course I need to learn for going through and achieve my goal I know nothing and at the beginning really and it was also the pandemic right I mean 2020 like were you doing this all online yeah all online and I only got two or three offline on-site course and I remember one time Really funny and ridiculous. When I sit in the classroom, then someone told me, this course has been cancelled. It will hold online. Then I take bus back to my accommodation again. Oh my gosh. And I mean, Yanan, this is like, this just an incredible experience for anybody to be going through. So what was it like for you, like over the last two years, living in the UK, studying this new topic? sort of learning how to be in the world without your family close by. You know, how did you grow up in a way? Like, what did you sort of get from this experience over the last two years? I think the first thing and the greatest thing is I know how to learn by myself. It's like the horrible experience I share with you. I don't know who is that philosopher, who is why my professor talked about him first and talked about another one, the thing is similar after that. So I have to spend maybe time, 10 times more hours than my classmates to read through all recommended readings to get the course passed, even get a higher grade level. So this is very valuable skill for me, even in my career life. I know how to learn by myself. Just 
my、uh, supervisor said, "Yana, you need to do this. You need to do that." And I know how to divide up.、Uh, it's like object into small steps and to achieve them, and where to find useful materials to help me. And the second thing I think is very beneficial for my future is I can enjoy loneliness. I at the beginning I really didn't have any friends, and my classmates. They're all very helpful, but we from different countries, and that time our English, especially international students' English, is not quite good. We can understand each other, but it takes more time for us to fully express ourselves. So I always stay alone, and I was told to stay in my flat in most of my time because it's a little bit dangerous to go out because of the pandemic. So I think that's the two most important and valuable things I gained from this two year in UK. It's amazing. And so after you graduated, so you said you started the Flux program basically just after you submitted your dissertation. So what you know, other than Flux, what have you been up to over the last year? I also started my summers. Work some is like internship, some is like the adventure in UK. So the other thing is like going together with the flux. Right. And so, what's this internship? Internship is at the BBC as a team assistant in their management team. I also did my. It's not about an internship. It's like part-time job in a accessible tool technology company. So it producing. Like a display, so and I also tried many different jobs, and I gained a lot, a lot of experience. Maybe for people to get、uh, in maybe ten years or five years, I gained them all in one year. It sounds like it's been a really, really busy year. I mean, doing so many, sort of juggling so many different things all at once. I don't really even know how you do it, Yanan. I mean, but the internship, the Flux Fellowship, all the jobs that you're doing, it just sounds like it's really busy. It's Not quite busy, I think, but it's a little bit tired to do them all in the same time. And it's valuable for me to understand what I really want in the future. And what is that? What is the future gonna hold for you, Yunan? I think a near future, I still plan to go back to university to have my PhD. And I think it will be really helpful for me to do something for my peers and for myself as well. And after that, I'm not. Quite know what I will do, but I think I will work in NGO or any international、um, organization to help the employment of visually impaired person. Well, Yanan Yu, thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed. It's been so wonderful to work with you over the year. Thank you so much, and congratulations on your episode. Thank you so much. <laughs> Yanan Yu is a Fresh Ed Flux fellow who recently completed her master's degree at the University of Bristol. A transcript of today's interview, with a selection of resources for further exploration, can be found at freshedpodcast.com. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not Fresh Ed. Which takes no institutional position. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews really do help. Fresh Ed's team includes Sherry Yang, 
Fati Octus, Boba Femi Ongunwe, Dian Jiang, Annabella Afroboteng, Anya Lin, Phyllis Che Mensa, and Jose Neto. Original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Fresh Ed is an independently run podcast without advertisements, and is made possible by the support of the Open Society Foundations, the UCL Institute of Education, NORAG, the ShockDev Family Fund, and listeners like you. Please consider donating to Fresh Head by visiting freshheadpodcast.com slash donate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.